Hi, I'm Matt Waller, Dean of the Sam M. Walton College of Business. Welcome to Be Epic, the podcast where we explore excellence, professionalism, innovation, and collegiality, and what those values mean in business, education, and your life today. I have with me today Elpida Ormanidu, and I've known her for many years because uh, she actually got a master's degree in the Walton College uh, back in 2000, mid-2000s, and uh, since then she's had a number of interesting roles, but even prior to that, she had been working at uh, Walmart at Sam's Club in data analytics types of um, roles, and she eventually was vice president of global people analytics for Walmart, and she went to Chico's FAS, uh, where she was senior vice president of analytics and insights, and now she is vice president of data science at Starbucks, and you've been there a couple of years now. Um, Almost two years, right? yeah. But it's really neat, Elpita, how you... You've been with some really amazing companies. I mean, you were at Walmart and looking at people analytics, and Walmart's the largest private employer of any company, at least in the United States, if not the world. So you were looking at analytics for a really important component of Walmart, but now you're a data scientist at one of the most revered brands in the world, Starbucks. So First of all, congratulations on your tremendous uh, achievements. Thank you. I really appreciate it. And and the way this came about, I, I wasn't necessarily chasing it. Like uh, the title is not the most important thing to me. Doing what I love is important. Learning new things and building new capabilities. Like I, I love that. So when I started in, in Sam's Club, you know, we were just starting to develop um, the some of the, you, now we call it data science, back then we were calling it data and analytics, but we were going into segmentation. We were really like modernizing the way we were, um, we were looking at the data to help drive business decisions. When the opportunity came up for me to move into the people group, you know, it, it was not an easy, easy decision. I had actually a lot of options. Uh, I, I could have gone into merchandising and do merchandising analytics. You know, it was the time that we were looking at our fuel stations and or how much should we invest in fuel stations. So I had a project that I was involved with that I was doing that for. And, and so everybody was like, why would you want to go into HR? These people don't care about data. And for me, it was almost like challenge accepted. Maybe they should care about data. If you are the largest employer in the world, you should probably manage your people assets just as rigorously as any other asset. And, and what I found is when I moved into that space, the, the hunger for, for that rigor and the data was always there. They just, nobody ever like really went deep into it. And most of the time, you know, you work with external like business partners that came in and out and there was no continuity. So one of the things that we've done by building this internal capability, this internal muscle, it really created a very robust foundation that many other programs uh, were building, like our diversity and inclusion programs and how important it was to understand all different sub-segments within our talent pool 
our investment with veterans or with um, underemployed populations. So it really helped generate very interesting programs, uh, the, our supplier diversity and, and women um, supplier program. Those were all programs that were based on this like data foundation. So um, it was kind of interesting. And then when I wanted to go very deep into personalization, that's why it was better to switch into a smaller, very niche brand. And, and in, in Chico's, more than 90%, almost 98% of the sales in some cases are identifiable at the customer level. So if you need to personalize, I mean, that's the place to be because you know all your customers, right? So I started experimenting and building like this kind of philosophies around personalization. But then when I really wanted to apply that skill and see how those really play out, come on, Starbucks, I mean, they're the leader of the pack when it comes to that. So so here I am in Starbucks in, in this data science role. Um, and, and what we do, like we actually do things that other people wouldn't even dream of from in terms of modeling. And, and we are on, on target to deliver 20 billion personalized recommendations this year through our app and, and emails. And I'm like a kid in a candy store. But the way I got here, it was not because I said, you know, that's where I want to be when I grow up. I said, what do I want to learn and what what capability I want to develop and where is the right place and the right role for me to do that? And that's kind of how I, I made my my selection. Yeah, and I think that mindset is probably why you've done so well. I mean, to think that seven years after graduating from the master's program, you were a, you became a vice president at Walmart. That's fast in my experience, and you were vice president of global people analytics. That sounds daunting because I would think, especially from a global perspective, I would think people analytics varies a lot from region to region. I'm not sure that's true. Um, it is. It is? Yeah, and, and that was the challenge. That's why the people analytics position, the global people analytics vice president position did not exist. It got created and I was kind of the first one in the position. And again, the challenge was we did have and still have a lot of other vice presidents that cover specific areas. But to look at the data as a foundation and to be able to build each, each uh, domain's strategy, compensation, recruiting, diversity, um, uh, talent development, to build all those strategies on the same set of data and facts, it's really, really important. But then when you move to global, at the time there were 27 countries, at a different level of maturity, some small businesses we acquired, I mean, they literally were working on spreadsheets. The reason why Walmart was an appealing acquisition for them was because now they can use all the Walmart technology to better themselves, to, to grow their business. So this is... Again, it was a challenge. It wasn't easy, but it was it was an interesting problem to solve. And then you add unique situations from country to country. The Asia market is very different than the European market. So, I mean, that's why, I mean, it's an optimization problem, really, with a lot of constraints, and it's fun. But what a great way to learn, too. You wound up having to learn about all these other countries and how they operate and so forth, which I'm sure really prepared you well for your new position as vice president of data science at Starbucks. I would think 
having experience at Walmart and Chico's and and Starbucks, but you know, particularly Walmart and Starbucks. I mean, these are massive companies that have a huge global footprint. But uh, would you mind just sharing a little bit more about your current role and what you're doing at Starbucks? Yeah, so basically I am responsible for the the modeling work that goes behind pretty much every aspect of the of the business. So Starbucks is very invested in leveraging retail science to help drive their their business. You've heard this several times in the um uh, quarterly uh, reviews and announcements, and Kevin talks about it all the time. We have a team, and we built a platform, actually. Uh, this predated it by my boss, John Francis, actually is the mastermind behind this, and Greg, who now works for me, is the person that did it. But think about, it's like an optimization engine, and a recommendation engine that they've built. We now hone in and really optimize it to say, you know, when you look in our app, based on behavior, how do we engage each customer differently? And what is the recommendation that we should give the customer to participate in the game? And we've been doing this for a while. And now we're saying, now that we have the platform, and this is really where kind of my history with Walmart comes in, like, can we not work on this in other areas? Would this actually work in the people space and see how do we engage partners with targeted recommendations based on what they need at that point in time versus a one-size-fits-all approach. But the more important thing that I joined the company and almost immediately, I hadn't even had time to move to Seattle, COVID hit. So if you ask me kind of what is my experience with Starbucks and what do I do, I tell you, I helped close down all the stores in the country, which was super easy because we just said, we're going to do the right thing and close all our stores right now until we figure this thing out. And then we learned from our China experience because we, we lived it there first and we learned the pattern of the virus and, and how the reopening is happening. And so we brought that into the US and I supported the operations team in a strategy and analytics way of assessing the risk by community, by trade area and deciding if they should open a store back up or not. We wrote algorithms that crawl the every site because in the US we had a very decentralized approach to COVID. So it wasn't like one place that you can go and get data. Every municipality had different rules. So we crawled the sites and we collected all the information. We analyzed and standardized and put it in a dashboard for operators to make decisions like this so they can focus their time on people. And so I helped reopen the stores and and now, actually, because I, I also support supply chain, now we have a great prob- problem because every time, you know, the, the economy is doing great, the confidence is high, and, you know, economies run on caffeine, <laughs> or I so want to believe. <laughs> um, so everybody wants their Starbucks, and, and how do we make sure we ramp up supply enough to get the, the high demand? So that's what I do right now. That's terrific. You know, Elpita, one thing I've seen through COVID, you know, I've seen a lot of students struggling emotionally because isolation is hard for for most people. And 
they almost feel like they've lost their identity to some degree because they're not the typical college student. They're not going to classes like these two. But um, we all have challenges in life. Everyone does. And I think when you're young, sometimes it seems like the world's falling apart and there's no way out. But we make it through these things. And, and you know, but life is difficult. It's just very difficult. Um, there's It's good to even know that because a lot of times people could look at you, students could hear this podcast and look at your resume online or your job description at Starbucks and think, wow, she's had the perfect life. I mean, if you look at your face, your uh, LinkedIn profile, you think she did everything right. Uh, and, and, and yet you and I have both had our, our struggles. You know, um, I went through a year long bout with cancer and wasn't sure I was going to make it. I made it. And, um, I, but I remember you, you, you were really impressive to me. I, I noticed that you were a very smart student, very good at dealing with people. And yet you had a crisis, a, a challenge. And, uh, would you mind speaking to that just a bit? Yeah. And, and, you know, I want to I want to start with something. Uh, it, it's a saying, and and if you ask me now, I can't remember the name of the person, which is a shame. But I'll think about it and, and maybe email it to you. But but there's this saying that says, "We are not thinking machines who feel; we're feeling machines who think." And and this is now how I kind of made sense with it in my head. And back when I was a student. You know, I knew exactly what I wanted to do. I wanted to come and study in the United States. I left home when I was 15. I went to, you know, away from my family, went to a American college in Greece, was able to transfer here. Like my whole life revolved around this dream and it became like my single focus. And then when I, I came here in the U.S., I ended up getting married. I had a child and then almost overnight, everything fell apart. I find out my daughter has a congenital um, condition and she's vision impaired. She, she will never be able to drive. She was a baby at the time, but I knew at some point maybe she would go completely blind. And and then my marriage fell apart. And, and here I am in school, a single mom, a newly single mom with no family around, with no support. It's Christmas. Everything is closed. And I'm alone and, and I'm lost. And this is one advice. This is something that I believe that I did right in all the things that I did wrong <laughs> or, or in all the, the areas where I, I made a mistake. Mistakes happen like we learn from it and, and, and we grow up and we grow better. So I made a lot of mistakes. But the one thing that I did right is reach out to people with more experience. Like if we understand that we are filling machines first and, and we we open up and allow this to happen and kind of put our vulnerability out in a controlled environment, I think it helps. And I'm going to speak to this for a minute because I remember vividly being in your office and you were the closest, you were my professor. I didn't know you. I didn't know you. You were not my family, but you were my familiar. And I remember falling apart in your office and now I would say oh my god you know like we keep saying women shouldn't cry and all this other stuff and I completely fell apart because I needed help and you probably don't remember this but you gave me that help you talked to me not as a teacher but as a human 
and you helped me. And at the end of the conversation, you you said, Alpida, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. And and you're good and you can do this. And you know, it wasn't easy, but it's good to hear encouraging words. And I think um seeking out advice whenever you feel you're all alone and you're the only one who goes through this. No, you're not. You know, there's billions of people in this planet. Of course, other people. You're not that unique. You know, other people are going through it. That's what I tell myself now. That's what I tell my daughter now. But sometimes we feel this way. So it's good to reach out to other people, take partners, seek advice, get mentorship. And no problem is unsolvable. I mean, look, we're in the data science space. If I felt that there is unsolvable problems, I mean, we'd be doomed, right? I mean... I do believe that every problem is solvable. You just need the right ingredients and the right mentality and just work at it. Be relentless. And then it's going to get through. Well, Peter, I'm so proud of you. And you, you're such a great person and great leader. And it's it's been so fun for me to watch you continue to advance in life and in your career. But uh, thank you for those encouraging words to our students. I, I really appreciate that. Certainly a time when people need encouragement. So so that was that was great. I appreciate it. No problem. And you know what? I loved what the school did for me. And and this is an invitation to to all our, our students that are currently in the program. If you need any help, you can find me on LinkedIn. You can have my contact information. I'm always here. I anything I can do to help. Just ask questions because I feel so blessed that I got so much help to be where I am today that I feel it's only right to help the next generation of people that will lead this industry, change our economy. Thanks for listening to today's episode of the Be Epic podcast from the Walton College. You can find us on Google, SoundCloud, iTunes, or look for us wherever you find your podcasts. Be sure to subscribe and rate us. You can find current and past episodes by searching Be Epic Podcast, one word, that's B-E-E-P-I-C podcast, and now Be Epic. Be Epic.